Hello, welcome to the Emerald Skies podcast. I'm Jess Seely, and we're here to talk all things holistic health, well-being, and spirituality. On my healing journey, I've discovered incredible modalities and practices that have enhanced my life in ways that I really can't put into words. The thing is, they're outside of the mainstream, and that causes apprehension when I share them with others. So this show exists to break down those barriers, because I want you to experience more magic in your life. I have incredible guests who are here to share with us the wisdom from their niche field and help you feel emboldened to try new things on your own path. Take what works, leave what doesn't, keep an open mind, and I hope you find something new calling for you. Hey guys, welcome back. Thanks for tuning in again. I've got an awesome ep with Dingo from Zentai Shiatsu Byron Bay. Just wanted to jump in and say that when we recorded, we'd had heaps of rain again in Byron and the internet was in and out as a result. So there's a couple of glitches in the first half, but I've done some <laughs> amateur editing for you and things definitely get better in the second half of the episode. So it's a pretty mind-blowing conversation. Bear with us and um, yeah, just push through the first couple of glitches and thanks for your understanding. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Emerald Skies podcast. Today I'm joined by Dingo, who's from Zentai, Byron Bay, where he offers shiatsu massage, personal training and yoga. So, and you're also studying Chinese medicine, I see Dingo. Um, So my beautiful housemate Dina recently had a shiatsu treatment with you and she came in and was like, Jess, you have to get this guy on your podcast. Um, So her treatment was really beautiful and at the same time she had the most incredible conversations with you, Dingo, around your experiences busting through fear and um, really taking, I guess, personal and spiritual development to the next level. So thank you for uh, offering your time to chat and um, hopefully inspire and just open the eyes of some of the listeners today. Thank you, Jess. Um, Yeah, it's it's humbling to have that feedback and I'm really excited to be sharing, um, I guess, some of my experiences and knowledge through studying Zentai Shiatsu with you and your listeners. So, yeah. yeah, stoked to be here. Thank you. So um, before we go into your personal experiences with the funeral, um, which we'll expand on, and also your dark room therapy, I'd really love to understand um, Shiatsu massage um what it is compared to say like typical massage and how you came to be so passionate and dedicate yourself to this line of work yeah for sure um so what i offer is called zentai shiatsu so it's a blended modality um my teacher gwen williams initially studied shiatsu and oriental therapies in brisbane about 20 years ago and he loved the power of being able to shift energy in in people's bodies but he found shiatsu just boring um offering it was it's kind of like the the accountants of massage you know like they're very analytical the knowledge is so in depth and the way it's offered is so systematic that no offense to any shiatsu practitioners out there but it's actually kind of boring doing this such a regimented um style of bodywork so he wanted to learn to dance with the bodies so he he uh, took his surfboard and himself about I think 17 years ago over to Thailand and learnt off the, one of the surviving grandfathers of Thai massage and in that process of learning Thai massage he, he met two French osteopaths um Roland Coombs and I'm not going to remember the uh I can't remember the other guy's name right now, but they kind of taught him osteopathic gestures and he taught them shiatsu. And so out of the Thai massage, shiatsu and the osteopathic gestures, he he created this form of bodywork called Zentai Shiatsu. So from the outside looking in, it's a very dynamic movement-based therapy. I'm twisting, I'm rocking, I'm rolling, I'm constantly moving the body. And with my clients, the more passive, the more surrender and let go into the movement, that's when I can really find the fixations in the body. I'm trying to find 
meridians, fascial lines, musculature that's that's tight and that's holding tension and through maybe a thumb pressure of shiatsu, maybe uh, the cat pouring in the hand, um, uh, pressure of Thai massage or maybe gentle relieving twists of osteopathic gestures. I'm trying to gently release uh, that tension that the body holds. So uh, no matter how many times I describe it, I describe it different each time. Um, it, it's really one of those things where it's, it's a very dynamic uh, form. Some people liken it to passive yoga experience where I, I stretch you and kind of do like a month's worth of yoga on your body in one session. But um, I think that's how, how I'm going to describe it right now and leave it there. Thank but yeah, you. That, that's uh, Zentai Shiatsu. It's so much more complex than I realised. So how did you come to meet your teacher and... Um yeah, like he sounds super unique and there are many practitioners which, who know your style within Australia. Um, yeah, so, so how I came to meet Gwen Williams, I was five and a half years ago volunteering to set up Woodford and, and Gwen kind of works a lot of the festival circuits, teaching workshops and Zen Tai Shatsu and, and yoga and um, I saw this man sitting on stage and I was, a, I was a lost boy, wanderer, searching for some meaning in my life. I'd just come back from two years traveling and um, saw this man on stage and he kind of looked like I would hope I looked like at 40 and I didn't realize he was probably 55 at the time. But um, long blonde hair, tan, few tattoos and there's something that's... Uh, radiating from him and I didn't know what it was but I just knew that I had to be around the man went to four of his workshops and spoke to him and teaching with him and on that first day I I, I said to someone else I was like I can't wait to you know learn yoga finally and they're like oh where are you studying yoga and I was like looked at them I was like what do you mean I'm here and they're like this is a, a bodywork massage course and I thought what the hell? And um, went back online that night and realized I had tricked myself. You know, there, there was, I'd never thought of becoming a body worker. And um, somehow I just knew that I, I had to be there and I was meant to be there. So, um, so you thought you were enrolling into a yoga, yoga course? Yeah. His body, walk, body working course. Yeah. Isn't yeah, it amazing so, yeah. what our subconscious will do to like get us into the right places? <laughs> Absolutely. That, that's the message I took from it was that, you know, like it, when I went online that night, there was nothing to say it was a yoga course. It was clear and yeah. simple. It was, it was body work, but I was meant to do it. And, you know, five years later, being a full-time Zentai Shiatsu therapist, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad my subconscious tricked me. Yeah, recently. for sure. And I'm sure all of your clients and patients are very glad. To. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, so there's, he's been teaching the course, I think it's, it's pretty close to 20 years now. And, you know, nowadays about 30 people a year do it. So mm. there's, there's only two insurance companies in Australia that recognize Zentai Shiatsu as a modality of bodywork. So, it's going through a bit of a mushroom growth phase this year, 2021. It's been offered as a therapist training course um, in four different places, Melbourne, uh, Byron Bay, Newcastle and Nindri, Sunshine Coast. So, so that's the first time it's ever expanded that that large last year it was Melbourne and Nindri and the year before that it was only Gwynny teaching it in, in Nindri um, the Sunshine Coast so yeah it really feels um, like people are just screaming out for it and people are just wanting to yeah. learn this unique form of bodywork um, which is exciting to be a part of. Absolutely and so I think that a lot of people I mean and this is the place that I came from I thought massage and body work was like a luxury and you do it a few times a year as a reward for something. And I guess I've shifted out of that kind of lifestyle where I was in say the corporate rat race and I've shifted my perspectives, but would you mind touching on like, I guess what it can release for people in terms of say, you know, is it, um, 
does it work on people emotionally? Do they come to you just with body aches? Like what brings people to you and what do you find you're able to help them with um, on top of just say like a really nice relaxing experience? Sure. Um, I guess people's subconscious uh, attracts them to me for a myriad of reasons. Um, I I try not to limit, you know, what I can access and what I can work on. And I guess like Mm. you can, and and no disrespect to um, table work massage and I receive table work massage and love it and, and go and receive it for specific reasons. But I find if you lie on a table, you can feel like you're relaxed and someone's rubbing oil on you, but your body can be quite stiff and rigid. Whereas if you're lying on the ground and I'm picking your knee up and doing circles with your knee and I'm trying to twist you and, uh, you know, we do flying um, acro uh, therapeutics as well. So, you know, you imagine if you're, uh, if you've seen acro yoga before and you're on the top being wet spaghetti and being completely floppy there's such oh, yeah, a yeah, deep yeah yeah i've seen that like yeah so, so so yeah there's just like this for me there's a real trust component that comes because i'm holding you and moving you you kind of have to trust the therapist and so you know so much of our trauma comes from an experience where you know people have abused our trust so to be able to surrender and let go into somebody else's care the way that we hold and um, shift the body uh, with Zentai Shiatsu, I feel like there's, there's a massive therapeutic component just to that alone. Um, I really like the boundaries that we're both wearing clothes and it means I can access some of the more intimate areas of our body. If you're familiar at home listening to what the psoas or the iliacus muscle is, which is on the inside of the pelvis, um, and the psoas is one of the deepest structures of our body that attaches the diaphragm, thoracic spine, lumbar spine, runs over the pelvic girdle and attaches to the greater trachea to the head of the thigh bone. Um, it, it's very difficult to access those areas um, without it, it being quite intimate. And with Zentai, with the clothes on, I just feel it gives a really safe kind of boundary that doesn't need to be crossed. Whereas if you were doing that and someone was nude for, for instance uh, it would be more uh challenging for me to maintain that kind of integrity as a therapist to access these areas so, um so the way i look at uh how tension comes about in, in the body is there's, there's a multitude of reasons sometimes it's it's postural if you sit on a chair most of the times you're going to slouch, which means the front of your spine and all the muscles in the front of your body actually shorten and the muscles in the back of your body lengthen. So if you do that for eight hours a day, five days a week, 40 hours a week, 52 weeks of a year, the body starts to get shaped like that. So when you go and try and do a backbend in yoga, suddenly the body is going to send messages to the mind saying what the hell are you doing we never move like this so that tension can simply be because that's how you spend most of your day so structurally the the muscles the the ligaments the tendons the fascial network is just being shortened so a lot of times from a therapeutic perspective someone might come to see me because they're they've got lower back pain because they've been sitting for too long Mm. so that may be a reason why they mm. come to see me. The interesting thing is, is what is the emotion? I like to ask, you know, what is the emotion you're feeling while you're sitting for those eight hours every day? The, my guess is you're probably not doing, you're not following your dream, right? You know, yeah. like wh- whose dream is to sit at an office for eight hours working for someone else, maybe working for yourself, but you know, there's going to be a psycho-emotional component of probably a little bit of frustration, a little bit of resentment that you're sitting at a desk for eight hours a day when, you know, you you jump on Instagram and you see someone else's lifestyle, even though we know that's not their actual lifestyle, where they're doing something else. So if there's a prevalent emotion that's, that's in the background, you know, and it can be deep subconscious, you know, just running of 
slight irritability, then then that's actually going to come up. And a lot of times, you know, like the mind stores memory, the body stores the emotions. So a lot of times where we hold this tension, there can also be an undercurrent of a negative psycho emotion held there as well. So when I'm accessing these areas, quite often an emotion will be released or come to the surface. Um, so it's really important to, for me as a therapist, is to hear what... Um, and another reason which is massive is it could be trauma and the way the body as a child, you know, we don't have the tools or the skill set, even as adults a lot of time to actually be able to deal with traumatic situations. So a lot of times the body goes into freeze and that freeze can actually lock up the collagen fibers that are the deepest, smallest, minute structures of the body and, a lot of fluid and blood can't actually get in there when, when the body locks up like that. So sometimes tension is from deep held trauma. And Mm. so it's as a therapist, it's just been really mindful that we can never Gwen, my teacher says we can never go too deep. We can only go too fast. So going into these deep structures of the body where there's potentially a whole lot of emotion and, and maybe there's some, some, trauma from the past um we just have to be mindful and go in slow and and for me it's like you know if you if you want to get in to a nightclub you don't try and kick the door and because the bouncer is just going to throw you out you actually be kind and nice and gentle and a lot of times you'll get let in so the same goes with the body is you know the, the more gentle and slow and mindful i can approach these areas of, of deep held tension the more likely the the client uh, is going to open up and allow allow you know a, a gentle palm in that area just to bring some warmth to bring some of their own awareness into that area so they can start to feel and release and unwind and untangle whatever is going on deeper than the surface so people come for a specific reason but normally and 99.9% of the time there's something deeper going on underneath than just yes. lower back pain of from sitting for too long. Yes. I love that. And long winded like, answer. I get No, told it's all perfect. The time. It's perfect. It's totally in line with what I believe. <laughs> um, Cause now oh, it's, you know, oh. it's a blessing and a curse. I'll be like, Oh my back's sore. Oh no. Like what's the emotion <laughs> rather than like, how do I fix this with some, treatment i know that there's emotion that needs to be unpacked but um so i love that answer and um yeah and i think again it's the subconscious it's like even if you don't think you're Mm. ready to unpack it if you've booked a session your subconscious mind is like we can do this come on (laughs) totally and anybody listening out there is if even if you get repulsed if you get afraid you know if there's a strong emotional reaction to something normally that's a clue to to know that there's something actually underneath there that you should probably look into. So yeah, I, I I myself am guided by anytime I have a strong emotion to something, that's normally a key to go, okay, there's something there for me. There's something to unlock. Um, Yes. Well, that's probably a perfect segue into your experiences um, with the funeral and your dark room therapy. I mean, is there one experience that leads into the other? Which one should we start with? Um, the dark room, because it was five, six years ago now, I guess. Yeah, sure. so, so were you feeling yeah, resistance around that? What led you to, um, to dive into something that I, without a doubt, when I heard about it, was like, never in my life would I do that. <laughs> so I'd love you to um, talk us through what it involves and why the hell you thought, yes, that's for me. Um, yeah, so I'd spent a year and a half traveling through South and Central America. This is, I have to give a background story. So I'd yeah, been a car sales car salesman in brisbane for three years stop it no stop way it's it. so yeah. funny guys when you see his instagram you'll laugh thinking he was a car salesman <laughs> yeah so um very successful in in terms of earning money and gross sales and blah 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 but very stressed and yeah. you know i everyone in my life had stopped asking me what am I doing with my life because they could see finally Dingo, which my name was not Dingo then, um, was 
is making money. He's wearing a suit. He's successful, but um, underneath the surface, I was really stressed and my health was failing. I, I was getting sebaceous cysts all over my body regularly and no doctor, no blood test. No one could could tell me what it was, but I knew it was stress. So yeah. I decided to leave the known and explore the unknown and spend a year and a half in South and Central America. And towards the end of the travels, I... I actually smoked a joint in a treehouse in Colombia and started massaging my shoulders. And I'd been traveling for a year and felt the biggest knots and tension in my body. And I thought, what the hell's wrong? You know, I've, I've been traveling for a year. I haven't worked a day. I'm feel so relaxed yet. My body's just this big knot. So I thought, I, I think I need to learn what yoga is. And so I booked in for a month, uh, yoga retreat in Guatemala. Um, and while I was there, they, we're actually building a dark room. So I helped uh, build this dark room out of Adobe earth bags. But um, by the time it was going to be finished, I, I was going to be leaving Guatemala. So ended up finding this dark room in Mexico. And the, the biggest thing for me was why the hell would anybody lock themselves in a room of complete darkness for an extended period of time? That for me was just, I was just so curious. I was like, you know, there has to be a reason why someone would go to that extreme. And yeah, I love that you're curious. Cause I'd be like, <laughs> I'd go straight into judgment. Like, no, that's so dumb. Like you were like, no, tell me more. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess. Uh, yeah. I can definitely see my curiosity can be seen as positive, but it can also get me in trouble. Um, in this instance. Yeah. I, I just was genuinely curious about it and I guess I'd been traveling for a year I'd just done a month's yoga retreat so I felt pretty comfortable with with who I was becoming and what I was actually searching for so yeah so I decided to go into the dark room for seven days um on my own um uh so, so just to give the listeners uh, uh understanding of, of what that kind of practically entailed is is the room is completely dark for 24 hours of the day you can't see your hand in front of your face it's pitch black um there was a food slot on the wall um with double doors so one door on their side one door on my side and two meals were bought um at alternating times throughout the day so again it was uh, agreed upon we'd do that so it would just i wouldn't be accustomed or get in a routine of when the meals would arrive. So some days it felt like I didn't get my first meal until the afternoon. Other days it was like dawn. Um, I could hear the, the world outside and it was in a very quiet, small town of uh, Mozunte, the Oaxaca region of Mexico. Um, and so I could hear the birds in the morning. So I had a, 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 an awareness of when the birds chirped, the sun was rising. Um, there was a toilet and a hand basin um, and a bed. And that was the only things in the room on a yoga mat. Um, but it was about this half the size of a normal small bedroom. So it was, it was a pretty small room. And, yeah. um, and so can I ask the yeah. reason that you said, yes, I'm going to try this. Was it because of your curiosity or was it because you wanted to bust through some kind of fear like what made you say yes good question um curiosity but i guess i guess i'd, I'd left behind this world of the known uh, being a car salesman of earning a lot of money at 25 years old and i spent over a year traveling through south america and i just there was something something nagging at my subconscious that I knew I had to find something that I was looking for something and I didn't know what that thing was, but I started to suspect that this thing wasn't outside of myself. Um, I know ayahuasca is very popular in, in this area that uh, me and you live in Jess, but um, I had been told by a shaman that I didn't need ayahuasca. And so thankfully that seeking out for ayahuasca I spent a year in South America. I was in the jungle of Bolivia and yeah, in Peru. And I didn't 
go to ayahuasca for this. I, I kind of felt like I, um, I needed to find this for myself without, without that kind of plant medicine mm. journey. And it's very interesting. Yeah. So, so, so something on my subconscious was saying, you know, you need to go into this. Um, yeah. And there's something it's, you need to find. Yeah, and so you're in this half-size bedroom and it's pitch black. What what does your day look like? Like what's going on in your <laughs> well, it head? Lo- it looks like pitch blackness. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, what it felt, what it smelt like, what it uh, sounded like was uh, you imagine you don't know what you're going to get to eat. Or I asked <laughs> I asked the, the woman that was going to be bringing me food that owned own the space i said look i just want raw fruit and raw vegetables i just had a mm-hmm. parasite and i was mm-hmm. trying to come back from that and um so when the morning meal arrived or the first meal of the day arrived that first meal was every meal in fact was an ecstatic experience because you'd, you'd smell it before you even mm-hmm. touched it and then you'd touch it and you didn't know what you were eating and uh <laughs> it's, I'm going to sidetrack a little story here. Yeah, um, go. So uh, on the on the second day, I got grapes on a vine, and I ate the grapes, and it was just like the most amazing experience. Fruit was probably the the most joyful experience. Eating fruit in there, you know, you'd feel it. Sometimes it was cut papaya, and you'd smell it, and you'd taste it, and you'd be salivating, <laughs> and it, it was amazing. So I had these grapes, and it was great. And on the sixth day, um, I had some grapes again I had the first grape and I was like oh, it's off this is disgusting and I felt like a prisoner while I was in there and I was very just much in the to the whims of the woman who was feeding me and she gave me stale chips and sandwiches of stale bread Ooh. and yeah I, I wasn't very happy I was cursing her and <laughs> you're like dude i get two meals a day yeah yeah so i was you know the anger and frustration and vulnerability was all coming up you know so yeah. i had a, i was like you know you can't judge a, a vine of grapes by one grape so i have the second grape and i was like oh my god this is equally disgusting and i was like you yeah i'm not going to use the curse words i use towards her and then I was like, you know, like you sit there for five minutes and you're like, well, I've got nothing to eat. So I'm, you know, I've got nothing to do. I've got 168 hours in here. So I'm going to have a third grape. And I picked the third grape and I felt it. And I was like, it's not actually oval. It's, it's round. And then I felt all of these other grapes. And I was like, they're all round. And I was like, oh, these are cherry tomatoes. And I popped the cherry tomato in my mouth and it was delicious. So huh? what was disgusting one moment yeah. was suddenly delicious. That's so, wild. Yeah, for 24 hours of that day, I, I started to think about what in my life do I think is disgusting, which may in fact be delicious if I simply change my perception around it. So yeah. a lot of thinking is the answer to what did yeah. I do during the day. I'd, I had a very beginner's yoga practice. Um I'd practice for X amount of time in the morning. Who knows? Time is irrelevant when you're mm. completely immersed in darkness on your own. Um, I slept a lot. And I guess uh, so, so th- there's, there's a chemical response that happens when you um, change your external environment and the light saturation in your environment. So when any with the circadian rhythm when any animal mammal human goes when the light changes in the evening um the golgoy retina cells i think they are they send a message to the pineal gland to release melatonin at at the onset of uh the changing of light to dusk and so what happens is as soon as it's dark melatonin's in the bloodstream and melatonin is what uh, makes us sleep and induces dreams um you know so mm-hmm. people with necrolepsy they've done studies on them with giving them excess melatonin and they've all kind of talked about the lucidity of their dreams um mm. So, you know, in our modern world, we have these screens and we have these 
white lights and our ceilings that uh, we no longer get that melatonin at the onset of dusk. Sometimes, mm. well, we only get it when we switch off artificial lights. Yeah. So, yeah. Y- you know, anyone listening who has sleep insomnia, you know, disrupted issues and, and have, uh, having struggled sleeping, you know, it's like, well, just switch off all electronics, switch off all lights and mm. give that a go for a month, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, so if you, if you go into a dark room, however, you never get the message from your eyes to stop releasing melatonin. So for 168 mm. hours, normally, you know, you might have eight hours if you're an eight-hour sleeper, maybe you have six, maybe you have mm. ten. But for 168 hours, melatonin is being released into your bloodstream. If Fascinating. You, you know, if you stand there a week. So uh, there's been some interesting studies. I, I researched a lot about this when I came out. I knew nothing going in, but I was just so curious when I came out. So this is how I know this information. Yeah, cool. Um, but they've done research on people who get thrown into um, uh, solitary confinement in prisons, and they coined this term prisoner's cinema. And a lot of people who were thrown into solitary confinement talked about these hallucinations, these visualizations about being able to see things in the dark. And I didn't know about this before going in, but you... <laughs> What my experience was, was by day two, I started seeing flashing lights, golden raindrops, outlines of crystal castles. I felt like I could see the outline of the room. I never used my hands walking around the room. I knew the room so intimately that I could just walk from the toilet to my bed. But my mind started to map it and... I thought there was lights, get, light getting in, but I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. So, yeah. you know, the visual cortex of my mind started to project out in front of me. Now, by I think it was day three, um, I had been watching the room kind of get more detailed and, and seeing you know, the bed and the bath, the toilet, even though I knew I couldn't see it, my mind was starting to project it into this space and I could turn around Mm. 360 and look to the toilet and walk to it. And Wow. Yeah. uh, How much do I go into? Um, It started off like a Sega system kind of graphics and Mm. by day three I could see some pretty crazy things in the room and what was really fascinating is it seemed to go through its own REM cycle. And so my understanding of like tracking my dreams since then and being really interested in the dreamscape was I kind of had three different um, visual landscapes created that would last about half an hour and they'd kind of disfigure and transmorph into the next one, which would last half an hour and then the next one. And anyone who who kind of has good memory of their dreams it's it's very interesting like i've always noticed when one kind of dreamscape ends but in the same REM cycle another one begins it's very hard to like notice that change in scene you know mm-hmm. but you'll have a clear change in your scene and sometimes if you can remember the full cycle you can remember three different kind of dreamscapes and they kind of like transfigure and morph and there's sometimes something that you're doing that takes you to this next place and then again and but trying to pinpoint it is very difficult so what i actually started to observe was in my waking state was i was going through REM cycles so my subconscious was projecting into the room and like i said beginning was about day three was like a sega master system the day five day six was like I don't know what PlayStation we're up to, but PlayStation, <laughs> Nintendo PlayStation 64. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was crazy. And the, the fascinating thing was my rational mind was there with me, you know, so yes. I could be thinking about something completely different, yet I was watching a dream Wow. You're like, so this is real, but also this is real. It's like you know that it's yes. a dream, but it's still real because it's there. And... You know, like in a dream, there's a symbol. There's You can be in a place, you can see someone and it doesn't look like them, but you know in, there's 
and intuitiveness that you know what it represents. Mm. You know, like I can have a dream of a white bear, even though I know it's a grizzly bear, but in my dream it's white. So I can have a dream yeah. of a white cockatoo, even though like my, when I wake up, I was like, that was a black cockatoo. So right. symbology and dreams sometimes it works in the opposites, but like I was having a, a cup shower one day. So there's a drain in the floor and I used a cup just to kind of pour water on me. And um, I was looking at this horizon as far as I could see. And there's these kind of like this orange tinge with this pink sky and this orange moon rising. And I was like, how did I get in Japan? So wow. <laughs> somehow I like knew I was in Japan. Wow. And, and, you know, your rational mind's going, well, I'm looking at this landscape and I, by like, I could, the walls disappeared. But the, what was interesting, there's always a source of light in these visualizations. And it really like seemed like that was what was light, lighting up the dreamscape. Um, mm. I was practicing yoga one day and rose up from a sun salutation and there was nine Eskimos in a circle with me, rising up with me. And there's a fire in the middle of us. Oh just my like a, goodness. This you is know, wild. Like, yeah. It, it you know, like words really fail to express this yeah. experience. Yet I still in vain try to, yeah. I've written about it and I've burned that <laughs> writing since then. And I, I don't share it with anyone now. But yes. I realize it's, yeah. it's all in vain. But, yeah. you know, there's, it gives, it gave me a glimpse into understanding that um, the, the mind stuff, the dreamscapes, like there's so many layers of reality. And mm. I guess to use all the the, the doors of per- perception were really starting to open up and they helped mm. me view and see um, this human experience from a, a different perspective. Um, That's so fascinating and you said earlier around like ayahuasca and psychedelics not being the method for you it's really incredible to hear your story around like you really had no external input it was just darkness yet your mind started to turn on all of these functions that a lot of people seek like plant medicine for so it's really fascinating to hear that happen with you know, without like consuming something. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really passionate that um, every individual I believe has the tools to unlock their own potential, to um, understand themselves and make sense of their reason, their purpose of being here. And I think the dream, our dreams are such an amazing offering of our subconscious trying to give us an insight into what it is we need to understand to release our own suffering, to make sense of yeah why we're here. Mm. Um, and do you have any advice for, I mean, this happened to me last week. I had this dream and I'm still trying to figure it out. Like if someone can, comes to you, say, as a client and they're quite early on in their, um, you know, this is all kind of new to them, what advice do you give for people to start to really like, tap into okay maybe i can understand my dreams like how do they strengthen that muscle where do you start like because your experience was super (laughs) full-on and like a lot of people would not do that so if we're wanting to start say recalling our dreams at night are there any tips that you have for people to try and access that totally so where i began um was just having a journal by my bed um Again, because of light reasons, I'll, I'll have a candle if I feel inspired to wake up in the middle of the night and mm. write a dream. Mm. Um, I will light the candle so it doesn't ruin my REM cycle and the melatonin um, mm. in my bloodstream. But I'll, uh, write in your dreams because the our dream memories aren't kept in the same place we keep our normal memories for good reason because it would confuse the hell out of us if we're trying to access memory yes. and, and it's it's a, it's a dream memory where you know reality would become pretty warped so yeah. writing down your dreams um i used to recite a mantra and i still sometimes will go to it um as i fell or falling asleep and uh, a very generic one is like tonight i will remember my dreams tonight i will yes. gain control of my dreams tonight i'll gain conscious awareness in my dreams and that was a mantra that was given to me to invoke that kind of 
conscious mind talking to the subconscious to get yes. to get those communication lines of within us to be really um, open and yes. those those two things I think uh, are such powerful tools for anyone wanting to start to track and map um, their dreamscapes. Mm, thank you. And I can, I mean, it sounds so, I know people who'd be like, really? But like the power of intention is so powerful. For instance, <laughs> like it does work. I started reading a book called Leaving My Father's House by Marianne Woodman um, a few weeks ago. And it was, I didn't even know when I ordered it, but it's all around these women tracking their dreams and then using that to unpack their wounding. And the mm. first two nights after I started reading it, I just had the clearest dreams and it was like, bam, here's your wound, bam, here's your wound. And I was like, oh, okay. Like it was kind of like, here's your two assignments to go and work on. So, um, yeah, it's the power of intention. And for me, it was my subconscious leading me there being like, all right, you're ready to start doing this work. Our subconsciouses want us to heal. They don't yeah. want us to stay in this trauma, you know, like in – I suppose we've talked about trauma and you, you may have other other uh, speakers on your podcast speak on it, but just briefly, you know, like a lot of the trauma uh, comes from childhood, uh, from parents, from society, from schooling that, uh, you know, tries to imprint their impression upon you and mm. tries to force their will upon you. Whereas, you know, if, if you, my belief is, you know, we're, we're souls incarnated in physical bodies and we've come here for a specific purpose, for a specific reason. We, we choose to incarnate um, the moment of conception, our parents, the, the conditions around our birth, everything is within our control in the soul realm. We chose it all. So, you know, for me, that's an empowering place to be is, is that this is all my choice. Yeah. You know, I chose this experience. So any suffering from my past, any trauma from my childhood is actually like I, I called that in for my own growth. Yes. So for me to unravel that is my greatest gift to this world yeah. is so I can go forth into this world with less reactive behavior, less protective barriers. Yeah. Um, and, and my subconscious wants that too. So seeing my subconscious as an ally and not as an enemy, you know, yeah. um, not trying to numb myself through stimulants and look, plant medicines are great, but if you're abusing them, they're a mm -hmm. stimulant, you know, mm -hmm. they're going to block you from, I, I smoked marijuana most of my life and it's only recently I feel really comfortable with my relationship with, with that plant because when I smoke weed, I dream during the day and I don't dream during the night. Mm. So it's like I borrow my dreams, yeah, wow. daydream, and, and I take them from the night. And so for me, it's like I got to a point where I was like, I need to be able to dream if I am to become the best version of myself. Yeah. So I need to stop smoking marijuana daily yeah. in order to, to be that. And the marijuana smoking was, you know, when I look at it, it's a pattern of protection from the outside world and it's something I learned from my father as a child you know I knew what dope was when I was five years old so mm. most of the times our addictions are also something we've picked up from childhood too um yeah so yeah trying not to numb the human experience and actually trying to um bring light to it uh, yeah in a way yeah I 100% agree with you on all of that and you know, we, we chose our parents, we chose our journey, we chose our trials. Um, and another of my teachers says, like, our whole purpose of our life is to just incarnate more love. And it's like, all right, every mm. time I heal a wound, I increase my capacity to love. Mm, 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 yeah. Exactly. And so leading from that experience, would you mind talking us through the funeral? I'm like, inverted commas. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. yeah, tell us about what that is and and again why you chose to do such an extreme experience that i can hand on heart say i'll never ever do <laughs> it, it's 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 funny i guess uh, you know for me an extreme behavior is something that you do regularly so drinking yeah. a, a glass of wine every day uh, a couple of beers every day yeah. that for me is extreme um, yeah right that's a good perspective yeah so so, like that. so going into a dark room for a week or 
getting buried alive under the sand with just a mouth snorkel um, uh, to breathe. Um, th- that's not extreme. That's all right. That's well, just... what is it? <laughs> Crazy? That's... No, I'm joking. What would you call it though? Um, a uh, uh, an unwavering desire to seek out truth and meaning. Um, mm, wow, love that. So again, you know, I, I, my friend Paisley um, runs a funeral and um, he runs it in Sydney and Melbourne. He's about to run one in Adelaide and Perth. And he he actually just messaged me two days before the funeral. I was like, hey, bro, uh, you want to do a swap for some Zentai Shiatsu sessions for the funeral? Like, yeah, <laughs> sure, why not? You know, like, I, I get offered, I think people see in me something um, and these kind of things seem to be offered yeah, to me. Yeah, cool. So, again, I was curious and with the funeral, it's a death and a rebirth. So, um, for me, it's like, yeah, there's there's things that have I've, I've carried since my childhood that you know maybe my mum taught me maybe my dad taught me maybe my schooling my uh environmental conditioning taught me but it's not actually me so the funeral is a death and rebirth so i'm a i'm very passionate about allowing parts of myself to die um i've done other death rituals since um the funeral um but with this specific um experience what I ended up and I'll talk from my personal, personal experience was what I wanted to take into the funeral was I wanted my self-conscious and my insecurities to die because, um, you know, when we look at someone, we can project onto them a story, but my story is I've always been really self-conscious and really insecure, um, from childhood. So, when I um, had this invitation, I was like, great, what a what an awesome opportunity to to take that to the grave with me. Um, mm. So it, it was out in front of the Tea Tree Lakes um, in, in Suffolk and it was, I think it was September and it was cold and it was damp sand. So I was wearing a mm. denim jacket and denim jeans and um, I was grateful. So you get buried, uh, your body's mm, maybe about 12 inches. I don't know. It, it's, it's deep and it, and it's heavy, but you get buried underneath the sand. I'm just sitting there like, wait, wait, can you just triple check my snorkel? How long's the snorkel? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you, your, your mouth and your lips around, you know, a snorkeling mouthpiece snorkel. Um, but there's nothing else covering you. So yeah. you, you get covered up to your neck and instantly the weight of the sand was, was pretty unnerving. It was so yeah. heavy. I hadn't anticipated that, and especially yeah. on my throat. Yeah. And then, then your face gets buried. And um, that, that first moment uh, was quite terrifying. And what it brought up for me was um, the dark room and also this experience when I slipped on a rock in the Andes and had to crawl for seven hours through the night. Uh, get help mm. because I couldn't walk mm. which is another story but um yeah wow. that that feeling of being completely alone and going yes. oh my god I'm here again where the whole outside world doesn't even know you exist and it's just mm. you and you alone and mm-hmm. it is a scary place um but you know we have to face that that fear of 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 death and that fear of being alone i think in this lifetime you know because if we can face it while we're alive what a great gift is we no longer fear that unknown of death um Mm. of loneliness is you know let's let's face face that so that that came up for me straight away and i started breathing and it's all mouth breathing because you've got the snorkel and every time i shifted a millimeter i could feel granules of sand rolling up my nose cavity moving in my lips and you know it was, it was unnerving and it was uncomfortable but I just stayed with my breath stayed with my breath and having mm. a, a breathing practice not a consistent one but enough of one made me relax and so once wow. I was comfortable enough in the discomfort um I was like okay 
you know, my breath's under control. I'm not going to die. Yeah. Maybe it took five minutes. I don't know. But I was like, okay, now, now I need to do the work. I've come here for a specific reason. So I wanted to look at my insecurities. I wanted to look at my self-consciousness in the face. So I just felt into my body and just started scanning and going, you know, where do I feel self-conscious? What part of me is self-conscious? Why do I feel insecure? And this memory came up straight away and well, pretty quickly. And it was, I was 11 years old at a, at a shopping center with, with my best friend. And he said, let's, let's go talk to those girls and sitting down at McDonald's there. But he said, whatever you do, just don't smile. And if you laugh, cover your teeth. So I had pretty crooked teeth as a, an, an 11 year old. And I subsequently. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you poor thing. Doesn't your heart break for children? You know, we all go through this. Oh. Oh, teenage years are the most horrible years of my yeah. life, you know, of people's lives. But Don't so, smile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, so that, that memory came up and I was like, what a dick, <laughs> you know, yeah. as in line there, my friend's saying that to me. And then another memory came up and another memory. And they, mm. th- the common thread of all the memories was somebody telling me a reason I should be self-conscious somebody projecting their insecurities onto me, which made me feel insecure. No child feels self-conscious. No one feels insecure. We get told why we should be self-conscious. So the, once I kind of established that, that thread was like, Oh wow. You know, the self-consciousness isn't inside me. It's been from the external world put inside me. So why am I still believing this story? I have bra- I had braces now. My teeth are straight. Even if your teeth aren't straight, you know, I actually had a beautiful smile. Mm. I love smiling. So, mm. you know, like uh, th- there's, I could go into every insecurity of me, but I don't yeah. think that's necessary right now. But yeah. so after X amount of time, I realized I don't need to listen to these stories anymore. So I just started lying there and, enjoying being under the sand and what felt like you're crazy (laughs) what felt like a lifetime they they so they someone sheltered into our snorkel half an hour so we knew all right we've been under here half an hour they said look at every time my friend paisley said every time he runs it you know someone will get out in those first few minutes and and it's fine you know but he said you know you're not in competition with anyone this is your journey after an hour, we will tell you it's time to come out and we will dig you out mm. so you can't stay in there longer than an hour. So the first mm. half hour felt like a lifetime. Mm. And once that kind of half an hour had sounded, well, actually before the half hour had sounded, I started, yeah, to enjoy. It's, it's very nourishing having that much weight on you. It's, you know, like as a baby, weight calms the nervous system. So a lot of zentai. <laughs> Um, we sit on people. We, I, I yeah. pull all my body on them. I use gravity because I'm not on a table. I'm on the earth and I just, you know, walk my hands like a tiger on, on their chest, on, on your thighs. And it, and it calms the nervous system. So I actually felt fairly comfortable under the sand and <laughs> she got turned on because the, the weight around my pelvis and my hips, I started running sexual energy and I was like, this, yeah, is, wow. this is, this is, this is, sexy and um wow. <laughs> yeah it, I, I think you know like when we find comfort in the discomfort you know a lot of blocks of energy can be yeah. released and that's something I've, I've noticed in my own personal journey is the more I release this these stories these insecurities this trauma these blocks in my system the more energy just is able to flow through me and um Part of that is sexual energy and our, and our society has, you know, stigmatized uh, eros, um, erotic life force within mm. us. And that's what, that's what creative energy is. And 100%. I'm not saying, you know, you have to go fuck everything, but, yeah. you know, that making love energy, because fucking mm. I think is different from making love. Okay, I've, just I've had, so. um, I'll have to introduce you to my friend, Michael. He, this is his line of work. And yes, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He's so, been on the podcast, yeah. Cool, cool. I'll have to go listen to his podcast then. Mm. Um, so, yeah, for me, once I was able to remove some of those blocks, a lot of more creative life force started moving through me. And, you know, it, it's, it, it comes out in so many different facets of my life, the way I communicate, the way I write. Um, 
my Instagram posts. You know, it, it's for me, it's just like the creative energy is starting to flow through me and my own unique expression is, is so much more um, available to me now because I'm not having these blocks of going, oh, what's someone going to think of me? You know, like all that fear mm. and bullshit, you know, that, that stop us from being our fullest self is yeah. that for me is, you know, the greatest gift all of us could give the world is, you know, what did we come here to express? What do we come here to experience? And, you know, you don't have to lock yourself in a dark room, but you are going to have to face your fears and everyone's fears are unique. Everyone's insecurities are unique to them and finding a way to work through them in a safe environment. You know, like I feel relatively comfortable doing a lot of this stuff on my own unguided. Um, but I know not everyone is like that, you know, so um, trying to find someone you can work with, trying to find an experience where you're going to be put out of your comfort zone, I think is, Mm. is a really beautiful experience. Mm, Thank you. Oh my goodness. There's so many light bulb moments in that for me, just thoughts that I've been having great recently, even about, you know, collectively, I was thinking about women and this story of our bodies. And, and I thought as a kid, you never try on clothes and go, I need to change my body. You go, Oh, it just doesn't fit. And I was like, at what (laughs) point do we take on that collective projection of, well, I need to change for the clothes, not I should just change the clothes. Um, But I mean, so totally different, but the same point. And, um, and I really love hearing you talk about like the creative energy that you're able to access now that you've shifted so much of that, because again, like my personal journey over the past kind of year and a half has been really slowly tapping back into my own creativity. And I didn't have an extreme experience to get me there quickly, but I've noticed how like my vital energy is returning slowly. It's mm. like, allow myself to just follow like, Oh, even oh, I'm feeling like I should start a podcast. No, I'm not good enough. No one's going to want to listen to what I want to say. And like, this is just purely a passion project, but like, it's honestly the thing that lights me up the most and makes me feel alive because it's just expression. So Mm. Mm. yeah. Thank you for all of that. It's just, yeah. So deep and so wise and profound. (laughs) Oh, thanks for giving me the space just to share um, my love and passions. Yeah. And so actually one more question. Yeah. If you were to go back to your 18-year-old self, what is the what are the words of wisdom or the piece of advice or doesn't even have to, I guess I usually say advice, but I'm kind of leaning towards just like what would you say to them? Um, I, I wouldn't say anything. I'd just watch them and... I'd probably cry and mm. acknowledge how far I've come and, and just yeah. love that part of myself. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he, he needed to go on the journey he went on. Um, yeah. He needed to go into, I've been in much darker places in a dark room uh, in mm. my youth. So yeah. um, I, I love him that he was able to come through all of that and and find a way to love the world when he fucking hated it so much at 18. That's amazing. I love it. And so, Dingo, where can everyone look you up um, to book treatments with you if they live in the area or everyone comes to Holiday in Byron Bay? So where can we find you? Um, so my website is Zentai Byron Bay, Z-E-N-T-H-A-I Byron Bay.com. Um, mm. If you – I've got Zen Thai Byron Bay, I think it's my Instagram. I don't know, but my – I'll uh, link Instagram. it all so it's no worries. Yeah, just cool. So if someone's driving and they're listening. <laughs> yeah, zentaibyronbay.com or if you want to see more of my personal flavour of my journey, uh, the heart and the darkness uh, is my Instagram. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, well, I learned a lot and I'm deeply <laughs> fascinated by your journey and I can't wait to go and stalk you on your Instagram that I haven't looked at yet. Um, but, yeah, thank you again for, for sharing all of that. And um, I know that the people who are ready to hear it will, their subconscious will lead them here. And um, I hope you enjoy, guys. Thanks for being with me today, guys. I'm so grateful and I hope that you learned something new. Please feel free to pass the episode on to family, friends, colleagues, anyone you think that would really enjoy and benefit from the information. 
And if you so feel called, I would love for you to subscribe and leave an honest and heartfelt review. As I've learned, it helps me reach more people and I'm really just all about reaching the right people. So have a wonderful day and can't wait to see you next time.